y'all. Welcome to the Queer Divorce Club podcast. I'm your host, Tara, and I'm thrilled to have you join us. As the founder of the Queer Divorce Club, I'm here to help you navigate the unique process of queer divorce alongside guest experts and individuals who have walked this path themselves. Throughout this podcast, we'll dive deep into the myriad of topics that arise when going through a divorce. We'll discuss making the difficult decision to part ways, rebuilding your life post-divorce, and embracing the power of trusting your intuition. We'll explore what it means to come out after divorce and how to navigate the complexities of co-parenting and blending families. Plus, we'll cover crucial aspects like healthcare, managing finances, and so much more. Our mission is to ensure that you deserve to live a healthy and vibrant life, both during and beyond your divorce. This podcast will serve as a compass, offering you the tools, guidance, and unwavering support you need to thrive. So whether you're contemplating divorce, in the midst of it, or already on the other side, the Queer Divorce Club podcast is here for you. Together, let's embrace the power of resilience, create a community of understanding, and navigate this transformative journey with grace. Welcome to the Queer Divorce Club podcast. Let's get started. (laughs) I think we should just start with giggles and I feel great about that. Okay, we're starting with those giggles we just had. Welcome to episode one of the Queer Divorce Club. I'm Tara. Um, We're going to get to know each other a lot through this episode and in the future, but I'm excited to start off the podcast with an interview with my partner Carly here. Say hi, Carly. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Not hi, Carly. Right. Yeah, you did good. I did that before. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to start off the podcast with Carly here to interview me, actually, to talk about um, how we started the Queer Divorce Club and the process I had um, for going through my divorce and where I'm at today. I wanted to share that with everybody, and I thought you'd be the best person to do that with. Thank I'm you. Excited. I'm excited. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm really excited for you. I'm excited, too. Let's do it. Okay. So I think we should start by having you tell us about, um, give us some background about your divorce and where you are today. Okay. So I was married for 13 years to... Um, you know all this, so I'm just telling you repetitively, but here right. we go. Well, you're not telling me, you're telling them. That's true, I'm telling everybody else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was married for 13 years. I got married when I was 24 to my ex-husband. Um, we had two kids who are now 12 and 7. Um, we got married pretty much right out of college, and um, we lived this typical normal life. We had our We had our two kids. We bought, I mean, I think we owned like three houses together. We... Um, did all we both worked full-time jobs I was busy all the time doing all the things um, around the time that I had my youngest kiddo Theo we um, my ex-husband had a mental health crisis that kind of threw us for a loop in our relationship um, and put us in this space where um, we both had to seek some better mental health support and connection with each other and during that time, I also started seeking out other community, and that gave me an opportunity to start understanding what I wanted with my life. And a lot of that was, um, a big part of that was realizing that I was a queer woman during that time. And it was um, probably, I think, around the time that our youngest was born. So around se- six or seven years ago, I realized that. Um, and I talked to my ex-husband about it. He was actually pretty understanding of that and we opened up 
our marriage to try to understand so I can understand, you know, what I, what my sexuality was, what I needed, what it would be like to date women. Um, but we really also tried to stay married for a long time as part of that. And it ended up being way too difficult. We got into toxic patterns that not only were because I was a queer woman, but because of some of the patterns we already had before and stuff just became more accentuated and difficult. And over time, um, I realized that that was not going to serve me for forever. Um, once I, once I met you and, um, through friends, we, you know, I realized that there was this other connection I could have with, um, with women, especially as I was dating them, I realized that that connection was different. And then once we met, I realized that, um, there was other ways to have relationships and it just showed me how toxic my marriage was <laughs> over time. And that was, I don't know if that was either my fault or my ex-husband's fault. I think we were just in these really bad patterns and we kept doing the same thing over and over and over. Um, and now, uh, two years ago, I decided that I was done. I could tell the whole story about how that happened. <laughs> it's this epic story I'll tell some time about um, a fence and a smoker. But that's not, <laughs> don't worry, nobody was throwing things. It was just <laughs> buying one or the other. Um, but that day, I kind of just realized that our patterns weren't going to change and I needed to I needed to do something else, and I finally had that conversation with him that we needed to be done, and um, that was really difficult, and tried living together for a while, and all the things that led up to today, and we're now a year out from our divorce, and you and I are living together with our three kiddos. Yeah. We're, like, fully on the other side of it. I mean, things change every day. <laughs> right. But, on the other side of the actual divorce part, it feels like. Yeah. Can you describe the process you went through for your divorce? Who decided on the divorce and how did the uncoupling process go for you? Sure. So um, I was the one that ultimately said it's time to get divorced. I was at a spot where I couldn't do it anymore. I felt very stuck and very held back and I knew it was time. Um, we started out trying to figure out the mechanics of the divorce on our own and working through that. Um, because of the emotions that were really high during that time, that became practically impossible for us to do. Um, and we, my ex-husband actually first got an attorney in that, and at first I was like, no, we can do this together. But having an attorney helped us out so much because we both were able to have somebody on our side and just kind of walk through the mechanics of it without emotion. And that really helped us get through the process. So we finished it off by using attorneys and, um, fine and finalizing our divorce that way. Yeah. How about the uncoupling process? What was that like? Um, when, so the day that I told him that I wanted to get divorced, we, we started to, he knew it was coming. I think we both knew we were at the end, but neither of us wanted to to end it the whole time. You know, it was really, it felt like it was, it takes a lot of courage to be like, okay, now it's time. After so long of being together, you're like, we grew up together. We have two kids. We've lived down four houses and we have puppies and, you know, all these things that we've done together and we're in this space. Like, it feels really courageous to break that 
And I finally felt like I, I don't know, the moment I told him, I was like, took the breath out of me. Like, this doesn't feel courageous at all. This feels terrifying. It's like I turned from courage to terror Mm -hmm. instantly. And then we just started muddling, muddling through it. And we lived together for a little while in separate rooms. And we slowly started telling the kids. And then um, it was too emotional, emotional for us to live together during that process. So I moved out. And then now I feel like after we went through the legal process, we're at a point now a year out where we could even start thinking about like, what should our relationship look like? And, um, you know, how is he involved in the kids' lives? And we do holidays and stuff together, you know, as you know. And um, I think doing those little things and seeing each other over time has helped us figure out, starting to like dabble in what a co-parenting relationship is actually going to look like for real once we move forward from now. Right. Takes time. Yeah. Lots of evolutions of that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Especially right. in the beginning. Right. You don't always know what's supposed to be at first or what it's no. going to feel like. No. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about the uncoupling process and um, like strategically how you separated, but what big emotions came up for you throughout that pro- throughout the process of uncoupling, but also the process of divorce? And how did you support yourself through those big emotions? Um, I feel like I had the gamut of emotions, but I didn't always know what they were for a lot of the time. Like, I feel like the at the beginning, I just kept feeling this, like, ball of stress like I felt like I kept everything on my chest like the entire time like I couldn't breathe or I just like um clenched my jaw constantly all the time um and I think I was that was the first process of grief I feel like and all of the emotions that we've gone through now throughout the entire divorce was related to how much to that grief and that disconnection from this relationship that I had for a really long time. And I thought, I think sometimes I'm surprised by how, like, I'm like, oh, I don't, like, I think about my past life a lot now, but then I'm like, move past it in this space where, oh, it feels really good sometimes. I'm in this space like, oh, everything's really has moved past it. But then all of a sudden I'll be like, dang, why did that hit me and make me so sad? It would just be like this random thing that happened with the kids or whatever. And I think at first, everything just felt really hard and really sad. And I was um, exhausted all the time and making the change and pushing through. And now it feels a lot less like that. But I still do have moments of grief. It kind of like the grief dissipates over time, but it still exists. Um, I think the emotions that I had came from the grief and now that I'm talking about it the the needing to do things for myself and making choices for myself and I think that that was the hardest part for me was knowing that I can make something move for myself and I've done so many things like built businesses and done other podcasts and like started nonprofits and I can do all of that stuff but making the decision and putting myself out there as making a huge life decision for myself without a partner like that was just my choice felt like the most, the hardest thing I could ever do. And Mm -hmm. I fought that for a long time, but I felt really brave through it too. It's like every time I made a choice, 
I felt even braver and moved forward and then started getting more confident with how I talked to the kids about it and how we connected around it. And so over time, I was able to trust myself more. But I feel like the grief of losing the relationship and trusting myself were the most emotional and intense parts for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. How did you tell your kids about being queer and your divorce? And what were some things that were important to you during that process for your kids? And what do you believe you could have done better? Um, I feel like there's so many things to look back. I feel like I could have done better. But I think now that I look back at what happened and the process that I went through, the times that I connected most with my kids were the times that I was the most honest with them about how I was feeling at a developmental level. So um, my youngest was five when we started the divorce process, and I think he didn't understand it at a level that the 12-year-old, he was 10 at the time, um, understood it. And I think the five-year-old knew that it was emotional. He missed, like when he first um, started living apart, he missed his dad a lot. And, you know, was sad that one of us wasn't there. He was scared that the other one would get hurt or something when he wasn't, when we were gone. So he was having emotions around that part and around the shifting, um, but less about the fact that I was a queer woman or the fact that we weren't going to be married forever. It was like a different dynamic for him developmentally um, around that. But then the 10-year-old, he and I have always had this relationship where we talk closely about everything. He asks a lot of really curious questions about things. And, um, I was, came out to him a while ago. He knew that I was, I explained to him, I think a few years before I got divorced that I was bisexual, which now I would probably consider, I call myself queer cause I would say I'd maybe more pansexual or lesbian leaning. Who knows? It may shift <laughs> over time. But um, I explained to him that I was bisexual a while ago when we were married and kind of talked to him about that. Um, and so he knew that I was queer before we came out. But as we got divorced, even um, even today, he was asking me questions about, like, I was telling him about the podcast. And he's like, what does it mean to be queer? And what does that mean for you? And um, how does that, you know, he's curious about how, what that means for me as a person and who I am at a different way than the seven-year-old is now. And so I'm just more honest with him now about like, this is how I feel and this is why I did that. And this is why, you know, being myself is so important and this is why I chose this for us. And I feel like over time, the more I talk to him in that way, he feels a lot better. Yeah. That's what it seems like. I really love that about the relationship that you've built with him. And I loved today when he shared um, that they had field day at school mm-hmm. and they were playing tug of war and that it was boys versus girls. Mm-hmm. And you said, what about the non-binary kids? Mm-hmm. And he said, mom, that's why I can't tell you anything. <laughs> Cause he knows, he knows you're always going to tell him the truth. Yeah. He knows you're always going to challenge him mm-hmm. and he respects you for it. And he let, he, he loves that mm-hmm. about you and about your relationship. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I'm thinking back to you and I and him were sitting up late one night and he was just up late and driving his hoverboard around the kitchen. Remember? And he was like, finally started to ask me about it. What did it mean to, what did it feel to be gay or decide you're gay? How do you know that? How do you, you know, 
how did you come to that decision? Why does that mean you can't be married? Like he was directly asking me all those questions. Mm-hmm. I was like, keeping me on my toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I got to know these answers. But I guess I keep him on his toes. So yeah. he gives it back to me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. He's curious. Mm-hmm. And he trusts you. He is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest parts of your divorce journey is that we came out publicly as queer women in a queer relationship to family, friends, and the world after the divorce, during the divorce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did that process look like for you? That was hard. (laughs) And good. Yeah. I feel like the, yeah, like I was saying earlier, like trusting myself and owning myself. Yeah, we come out every day. Yeah. I feel like I come out all the time to people Mm -hmm. in various ways. It surprises me how much we have to come out regularly like to different parents and to different things at kids schools and like all that stuff and I think one of the things too just on this coming out thing is people don't understand when because we had we often like we go to school and it's you and me and um ex-husband at school like at a parent-teacher conference and you can see the teacher feels like awkward or weird about it and we're like we're here together trying to be here together and Mm -hmm. so I think we're coming out in that way too or they'll see like I'm with my kid's dad at school and then I'm with you and then people, you know, people are confused about it. Right. <laughs> you don't have to know everything people. Just right. be confused. But everybody asks. Yeah. So I say, um, I was saying too that the trusting myself and realizing my queerness and owning that was a huge, huge part of after getting divorced. And now, um, even doing this podcast, it took me a while to even be like, I'm queer enough to do a queer... Di- Free Divorce Club podcast, like owning that in myself has been really huge. And I think that it seems like you and I have been able to go through that process a little bit together and support each other and figure out, you know, it feels like now we kind of have to define ourselves, but we don't, I don't know, I don't, I want to be me and not a definition, but it's hard to find that place because you have to explain it to everybody. Right. Yeah. And have this whole other, um, uh, relationship with like my dad's side of my family that we haven't really met and so we have to kind of come out to them although we did send them Christmas cards with both of us on it so <laughs> like, or New did. Year's cards New Year's. New Year's cards um so that's kind of how I think we got to the point I know I got to a point where I was like I've come out to enough people that were close enough to me that mattered the most the people that we need to have in our circle you know close friends starting to build our community coming out at work you know, those close things for us. And then finally I was just like, F it. We're telling everybody that we're together because why not? Why wouldn't we? It's yeah. like if we were just a blended family and in a heteronormative space, we would have sent out New Year's cards together. So I was like, we're doing it. And we sent out a letter with explaining our family and who all the members of it were, are. And we just did it to all the extended family members. Yeah. A few people said stuff to us about it, and really, um, we created a family name, and they called us by the family name, and you know, we did that kind of stuff. But a lot of people didn't say anything, so I don't know what that right. means. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> they just, just accepted. Yeah, it. they just accepted it. That's yeah. what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna think in my mind. <laughs> what has been helpful to you as you're coming out, and what have been some ways that it's been easier over time? Um, I think the biggest 
the most important thing has been finding other people who are queer and talking to them about their um, their coming out process, about who they are, seeing them as regular human beings, you know, um, being in a community and building up our space that has more queer people around us. I think seeing other blended families, other families that, I mean, all all queer families really are not traditional because it depends on, you know, how they can make a baby, but really outside of that, like, what's that what creates a traditional marriage? Like, we can, man, woman, they can make a baby together, adopt a baby. You know, every queer relationship, at least we know, is blended in some way. Kids are adopted, kids are stepkids, you know, whatever it is. And building up that community over time has really helped me be like, I'm normal, I feel normal, it's okay. You know, like, kind of taking out some of that socialized... Um, homophobia in my own mind around myself um, I think that's been the biggest thing and therapy on the other side of that has been very important to me I have a really good therapist that I trust and feel really good about and she's helped me walk through that journey too yeah I feel like that leads really well into talking about why you started the queer divorce club mm-hmm. and how it's evolving. Mm-hmm. Can you share about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, the Queer Divorce Club started as a kind of a joke between you and me and one of our other friends <laughs> that has also getting divorced at the same exact time and is a queer woman. And we were like, Queer Divorce Club, yay, we've done it. And over time, it's been like adding people it's to it. It's been wild. Yeah, oh, it has. We're just sitting around <laughs> and we're like, hey, wait a minute. We're all part of the Queer Divorce uh-huh. Club. I love that so yeah. much. I love it. And I feel so good when we're in spaces where everybody has been queer and divorced. I don't know. It's like this midlife thing. There's so many know. different layers, though, to there it is. that are unique and also shared. Yes. Yeah. And we can laugh. And I think the, one, the nice thing about building up that group, and I have seen over time with our friends who are queer and divorced, and we have quite a few of them now, as you are just saying, is that um, we can see that they all go through hard times and they've all been through the really difficult process of coming out, of getting divorced, of changing the life for their kids. And all of them on the other side are here talking and laughing about it, right? Like we had friends that sent us their divorce papers so we could see exactly what to do. We had you know, people that sat down with us to walk through um, how they structured their, their kid time how they talk to their exes, how, you know, all of these things that we worked out over time, it, having other people who have been through that felt like, felt so good, mm-hmm. like scaffold it for us. It wasn't this like, n- this black hole of randomness. We were like walking down with no direction. Right. And having the, the Queer Divorce Club really, I mean, it wasn't formal until now. Of course, I have to make everything a club, really formal club. <laughs> I can't, can't handle it. I need a button for it. I haven't made buttons. Well, I designed buttons. I haven't put them out there yet, but I need a button. So I'm putting a button on it and putting it out in the yes. world. But I also feel like what we got out of that community and the connection we got from each other and all the resources we had, I want everybody to be able to access and connect to. And I think it's really important. Yeah. To have that. Having a a specific support line mm-hmm. 
would have been it, that was our that was our lifeline. Yeah, you know, it was. You want to grow it and offer resources to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we didn't have. I think one of the things that makes it a queer divorce different than a a heteronormative divorce is that um, we nobody in our family's gone through it. Like my mom's divorced. My dad's divorced, obviously. They're together. My dad's been divorced twice. We have friends who are divorced, but it's so different going through it um, and then coming out after. But I think also if you're in a queer relationship already and then you get divorced, there's also that huge difference of like people second guess you. You know, you only got, you weren't really queer. You can't stay in a marriage. Marriage doesn't work. You know, this is kind of this all like queer divorce is a new thing for our society overall and it is different there's a lot of different emotions that come with it there's different there's not as much fam family support that goes with it there's you know people I feel like I don't know if it's because I'm this strong woman but a lot of people were like you're getting divorced and you're choosing that you're queer and you're coming out that means you know exactly what you want and exactly what you need to do and exactly you know where you're going in your life and you don't need any support and I'm like heh fuck that yes yeah. I do like, I'm like so lost and so scared and so confused mm-hmm. and everybody for some reason the view was that I just knew exactly what I wanted and I was okay and I was gonna be fine it's like why I need to switch the idea of that I feel like over time I'm working on especially like conversations with my mom and saying like you know I'm really having a hard time here I need to I need your help but asking for help is yeah. something I've had to learn over time. And, yeah, having friends in my queer community has helped that a lot. Yeah. Asking for help and supporting each other and asking for help and getting what we need and supporting each other when we don't have family that's supporting us, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. Do you think, um, can I ask you what you feel like the Queer Divorce Clubs helped you? Or what it, you know, when we first... Um, started to build it and how you felt about that yeah um I feel like I felt really alone before that mm-hmm. and then even just like sitting down with our friend that one time when we coined it at yeah. that moment mm-hmm. as just a oh hey look at us mm-hmm. we're the queer divorce club it it was like instant community and instant it wasn't just us going through this mm-hmm. and if it's three of us sitting here there's others who have experienced something along yeah. these lines or at least a part of it mm-hmm. um, so it just felt very affirming and um Yeah, helpful. Yeah, I love it. Everybody should be in the Queer Divorce Club. Well, everybody who's queer and divorced should be in the Queer Divorce Club. If you're <laughs> queer <laughs> and divorced, you are you welcome. Should, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think one of the things that... Or if you're not divorced yeah. and you're queer, mm-hmm. you're thinking about divorce. Yeah. Or if you're divorced but not sure you're queer... Yeah. Any any along the lines of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. I think that um, one of the things that we when we started talking about it too pub- 
publicly or with our friends and our community open about sharing like, oh, you're divorced and you're queer, other people come out of the woodwork and they're like, I'm queer and I think I'm getting divorced. What should I do? I don't know mm-hmm. why these people have all high-pitched little voices, but <laughs> they, they all have. Everybody but on the internet talks like that. They Didn't do. You know they're that? like, data. Yeah. <laughs> do you help me figure this out? <laughs> But it's funny because we do keep running into, we run into people and they do start asking and I feel like showing up and showing out like that we're divorced and we're okay as hard as it was and talking about the hard and it just makes, makes me feel better and makes everybody else feel like they can connect with it. And I like that. Yeah. Showing up, showing out. Mm-hmm. Did you make that up? Just Did you now, hear it right from someone? T- <laughs> no. I like it. Maybe. Who show knows? up, show out. Somebody's going to Google it and be like, Tara, you got it from this from a while ago. You better ago. copyright that now. I better. Hurry up. <laughs> it's the next torn tank top. <laughs> My Unicorn Guts t-shirt. Yeah. Isn't enough? Mm-hmm. No, we need to show up, show out. Show up, show out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in the merch now. Watch out, people. <laughs> um so one more question tara what do you think is the most important thing for your listeners to keep in mind throughout their divorce and as they are rebuilding um so i've been thinking about this question quite a bit in different iterations of what i might say on the podcast it feels like i have to say this epic thing but um when i come when it comes down to it as i have explored what i think is the most important thing i keep coming back to trusting myself and trusting yourself throughout the process and finding um, finding a way to understand and trust your intuition throughout that. And I think that there's there's many times throughout the process where I could be like, there's two roads I can go. I can stay living with my ex-husband right now and figure out how to do this, or I can move out. Um, and, you know, as hard as it was to move out and move the kids out and make that decision, even when I was thinking about living still with my ex-husband, I was like feeling so unsettled about it. You know, the heaviness on my chest, the teeth grinding, like now even as I talk about it, I can feel that feeling in my chest. But then I'm like moving out. It feels like this lightness all of a sudden, even if I just say that out loud, it's wild. Once I started to try to trust my body and to feel those feelings inside. Um, And then as I started trusting myself, as hard as those choices were, I kept being able to do that more. So over time, I was able to build up the courage I needed and the information I needed to make the right decisions. And I cried a lot. That doesn't mean that it was easy. I spent so many times crying in like black holes, like sitting in the dark in my room, like in a ball or on the couch. You witnessed many times where we're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm stuck in this spot. And then I would let the emotion out, trust that I'm heading in the right direction, and try again the next day. And there was, I feel like they used to, the times where that used to happen a lot, and now it's like spreading out over time. You know, it gets easier and easier. And um, sometimes it's still difficult, and things pop up like I was talking about earlier. But um, the more I trust myself, the more I begin to understand how my intuition is and how the emotions work in my body, the better I feel over time and that I'm making the right choice and heading in the right direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I add to that a little bit? Yeah. I feel like 
if you're not at a place yet where you are fully trusting yourself, I feel like asking for help to trust yourself is also okay. Mm-hmm. But you got to ask the people who are going to affirm to trust yourself, right? <laughs> you're not, don't ask them, should I get divorced? Right. You know in your heart what you need. Mm-hmm. Ask people to affirm that feeling that you're not quite sure that you have. To affirm that you know what you need. Yes. Inside. Yeah. You have yeah. the answer. Affirm. Yeah. Affirm to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's really good. I think there is that there is that space when you're learning to trust yourself for the first time that you need somebody to be like, no, it's okay. You got it. You got the answer. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was my therapist or, you know, we do that for each other sometimes or a close friend. It, it's a very important. Yeah. Those people to, yeah, not make the decision for you, but tell you you're doing it. You I think, I think trust do. yourself is pretty powerful. So mm-hmm. I think that is a pretty epic thing. It's trust yourself, epic. show up, show out. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> what is you got all kinds of mantras for merch. Yes, perfect. <laughs> why, why is, for real though, I don't know, maybe it's because we're women Maybe it's because I grew up a people pleaser. Maybe it's because <laughs> I can think of all these reasons why I didn't trust myself and lost my intuition. But it feels so fucking hard to do at first. Like, it does. It yeah. feels so hard. Yeah, it does. Because mm-hmm. you're choosing yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you're choosing... I mean, there's there's a lot of people who value being convenient as a character trait yeah and so busting through some of those patterns and how you grew up not mm-hmm. everybody is like us right some people do no. trust themselselves I know really how... easily I... where are you we need to meet them. where are you people that trust yes. yourself you come there's a whole episode yeah there you go there's okay. an episode find <laughs> someone yeah. who trusts themselves I, yeah and who thinks that this part of this episode is ridiculous. Right. Well, I yeah. hope that they they weren't born that way, right, though? Is there somebody that was born know. that way? I don't know. Ask Lady Gaga. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe Lady Gaga. No, she talks about how she hasn't trusted herself. Doesn't she have a song called Born This she Way? She absolutely does. Okay. Yeah, for sure. But, <laughs> but I don't even... I was just thinking maybe she is does trust herself, but I don't even think she does. I don't know. I think, I think about all these her. famous people that, like, Oprah talks about not trusting herself or being in that spot where she had to figure it out for a while. And I just... I don't know. She, Oprah's, like, the one. If she doesn't, then who does? <laughs> I feel like if you know that you trust yourself, mm-hmm. you had to at one point not know that about yourself. That's so it was true. like you had to have this aha yeah. at some point. You're right. At some point, there has to be a moment where you're like, I do trust myself now. Yeah. Okay. We're seeking you out, people who are more confident than Oprah was when she first said that. Why are you going to start there? That part is so high. Why do you just start with you? If you trust yourself now, come and tell us how to do there it. There you go. How to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, though, I am moving towards a space where I trust myself more and more. But I definitely consistently question myself on a regular basis. 
but the more I'm like, okay, that question was just an anxiety or just a worry or just an emotion connect, not just, I shouldn't say just, but it was an emotion connected to it, something that triggered you or whatever, then I can start piecing apart like the actual trust and intuition versus anxiety and grief and whatever other emotions right. in there. this is a great start to your podcast i think so i'm Thank excited you for helping for me you. start it yeah i really appreciate it oh we have a cat knocking at the door so we better end the podcast we there the we're podcast. gonna end with that on there we're gonna keep it okay <laughs> thank you so much carly for starting the podcast out with me i love, I love you, you. <laughs>there you can join support groups tailored to your needs and connect with individuals who understand the unique challenges you may be facing. Before we wrap up, we'd like to ask for your support. If you've enjoyed our podcast and find it helpful, please take a moment to show us some love wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews and ratings mean the world to us. They not only ensure that you never miss an episode, but also help others discover our podcast for the first time. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. We're here to provide you with the tools, knowledge, and support you need to live a healthy and vibrant life, both during and beyond your divorce. And as always, remember that each day you are doing your best for yourself and your family, and that's nothing short of amazing. Thank you to Bungalow Heaven for providing the music for this podcast. We'll see you all next time.